What's up, NBA fans? Dan Titus here with the Stretch 4 NBA Podcast. Excited to bring you our latest episode where we'll run down everything in Week 10. But before we get started, just want to give a shout-out to Underdog Podcast for hosting us. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow Underdog Podcast Network as well as the Stretch 4 Podcast. Also want to give a special shout-out to our sponsor, Fanshore, the sports betting company that provides content automation solutions for enterprise sports betting companies. So if you're looking for an edge and you're really into player props, head to fanshore.com. They'll provide you with the latest player prop trends and insight and information to help you win some bets. So to get going, we're going to recap everything that happened in week 10. We're going to do our weekly around the horn roundtable of ask the experts and then provide some buys, sells, trade and potentially some waiver wire ads that may be beneficial to managing your team going forward. And then we'll close out with Bernsey's mailbag. So let's not wait any further. Let's get into the action. What's up, guys? Stretch 4 Podcast. Dan Titus here, your host. Going to get into the weekly recap. So tons of things happened last week. Uh, just starting yesterday, Buddy Heald surpassed Steph Curry as the fastest one to get to 1,000 three-pointers. Didn't see that coming, but, man, Buddy Heald can really knock him down. Hit eight threes last night. Crazy game. P.J. Washington went off for 42 points, a new career high. All the while, LaMelo Ball continues to be sensational, averaging 26-6 and six with 45-40-87 and 87 split uh, since becoming the starter for Charlotte. So um, wanted to pass it on to Alex, though, man. I think the biggest takeaway of this week so far is the Heat. I mean, they've won six straight thanks to the play of Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Kendrick Nunn. You must be feeling great right now, man. I'm uh, every single day I'm waking up in the morning. I got a smile on my face and I have to admit I was a little wrong because I was critical of the heat about a month ago. I was super frustrated. I think it was after that loss to who was it? It was the Clippers when they were missing four starters and they beat us. We had like a healthy team, Jimmy Butler, Bam out of bio. They were all playing. I was so upset, but this is Miami heat basketball that we're seeing now. And to your point, we talked about Jimmy Butler last week on the pod. Bam Adebayo is obviously going to get his, but Kendrick Nunn has been spectacular in my opinion. I don't know if if you guys have watched him over the last nine months, even in the NBA bubble last season and in the beginning of this season, he looks like a completely different player. I mean, confidence, his efficiency, the way he plays defense, even the little things that don't even show up in the stat sheet, like the way he closes out on shooters is just, he's, he's, you cannot even take him off the court right now. And I think that's been one of the biggest boosts to Miami. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, trading for Oladipo or, or, or trading for maybe a shooter or a scoring guard. I mean, he's kind of given that to us right now. He's averaging uh, 17 points, four rebounds, three assists. Uh, he's shooting 49% from the field and 43% from three. Uh, and he's giving you three three pointers a night, and and even with Dragic coming back into the lineup, I remember on Twitter a couple of weeks ago I, I said something about how when Dragic comes back, it's going to eat into to Kendrick Nunn's role. Maybe he's not going to uh, see as many minutes. He's seen 36, 29, and 33 minutes respectively in the three games since Dragic came back. So this is a guy I, th- I think he popped a little bit over 50% rostered in in Yahoo leagues. So people are starting to catch on, but. I would go to your leagues right now and take a look and see if he's available. 100%. And then switching to another uh, spicy hot take that I just wanted to say is starting to come to fruition. 
the Knicks have just went over 500. And I know there was a lot of talk on Twitter about how uh, New York was celebrating like they just won a championship. But just want to say shout out to, to you guys that the uh, Knicks are firmly in the playoff conversation, as I suspected. Uh, but going back to another hot take, uh, Coffer, I want to give you another chance to redeem yourself here about Devin Booker. Are we still trading him for um, uh, for, Tim, for Tim Hardaway? Or is yeah. he still glorified Tim Hardaway Jr.? Or has Get he it. come around to 30? I think last week he put up uh, week 10, 36 and 6. Um, yeah, so curious of your thoughts there. This man, if I'm not mistaken, this man put up 42 big ones last night. Uh, who'd they play? The Timberwolves? Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's, been, he's been cooking. I swear he's listening to this podcast, and he heard me you know, chewing <laughs> him out. Uh, but to be honest with you, I really do still like a guy like LaMelo Ball and his ceiling and all the things that he can give you on a, on a nightly basis, the steals the blocks, the assists, the rebounds, more so than Devin Booker. Devin Booker's putting the ball in the basket for sure, right. getting like lots of threes and stuff, but he's not really doing a whole lot else. He turns the ball over quite a lot, about four times a game. Uh, I love Devin Booker, but he's not really doing that much for you. He's a little bit more than a glorified Tim Hardaway, though. I'll give you that. And did you guys see when he dunked on the reporter, too? So the reporter yeah. asked him The reporter asked him uh, <laughs> what, what he was doing this season that he wasn't doing last season to make him better this season. And Devin Booker just stares at him. He goes, did you see what I did last season? And just like, I mean, Devin Booker averaged more points per game last season than he did, than he is this season. So he, he cooked last season. So, I mean, yeah, I think he's just getting a lot of hate for just his play early in the season. I mean, rightfully so, right. He still had to get adjusted to Chris Paul coming in there, but I think he's finally hitting his stride. I agree. Um, So Zach, I know we've had a, we've had a couple hot takes from the, from the crew here. I know you have one that's brewing uh, for Houston. They look awful. They got blown out yesterday. You know, Christian Wood still seems to be trying to come back from his injury, his ankle injury. Oladipo sitting out back-to-backs. I mean, he sits out whenever, to be honest, at this point. He turned down a two-year deal, apparently, to stay in Houston. So the writing's on the wall. He's on his way out. The only person there is really John Wall and a whole bunch of other players. But there's a guy that you like that you think might be on the come up that fantasy managers might want to get a, a hold of before he actually blows up. Yeah, man, I, I'm talking Kevin Porter, uh, 9% rostered in Yahoo leagues right now. Um, this man has just been ungodly in G League play this year. Um, it, you know, he, he's been uh, 24, 7, and 6 in the G League. Uh, he's been hitting two and a half triples, one and a half steals. Um, there's, there's just so much upside. Uh, and we saw there was so much upside from him when he was taken in the draft by Cleveland, you know, whether it be opportunity, kind of that crowded veteran, uh, locker room they had in Cleveland and, you know, some questionable roster decisions. Uh, and then we saw him get released by Cleveland this year, just because, uh, you know, some character issues, some locker room stuff, you know, now he's been thriving in the G league for Houston. Houston, by all accounts, is trying to get younger. They're trying to get, um, you know, they're trying to rebuild this team, essentially. And to me, there's nobody that has more upside than than Kevin Porter. I mean, we can look at, uh, like you said, John Wall. But again, he's a veteran. He misses time. Oladipo turned down that deal. It, you know, we think he might be traded or he might be out the door. Uh, for the second half of the season, I think Houston would be really smart to see what they have in Kevin Porter. 
and, and I love the upside more than guys like Jay Shante, Daniel House, um, and, and players like that. Um, you know, the draft pedigree, the skill set, the talent. Uh, I think he could definitely succeed on a team like this. But let's not sugarcoat it, man. The Houston Rockets are absolutely terrible. <laughs> like they're they're legit without Christian Wood, they're 0 and 11 in their last 11 games. They're legitimately worse than the Pistons and the Timberwolves. I have more hope if I watch a Pistons game or a Timberwolves game at this point than if I'm watching the Rockets. Justin Patton got the start. Journeyman center Justin Patton from Creighton, yeah. I believe, got the yeah. start at center uh, the other night for Houston. Played 26 minutes, uh, fouled out in 26 minutes actually. I mean, they're just they're just an absolute train wreck. Old Depot and Wall like take off nights. You know, they they rotate who takes off a night. So there's a lot of opportunity there for Kevin Porter. You know, if he comes in after the All Star break, I agree he could you know put up some put up some uh, stats. But the Rockets are going to get blown out a lot, so it's going to be a lot of uh, probably 10, 11, 12 man rotations there for Steven Silas. Yeah, you're- I gotta ask, I gotta ask. While we're on the topic of the Rockets, would you be sending out trade offers for Christian Wood right now? Yes. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. At least so, they invest. You know that they at least invested in him. That's yes. one person that they did invest in. So a guy I was thinking about is because, as most people know, if you follow me on Twitter, Christian Wood was my guy coming into the season. I was super high on him. Unfortunately, that led to me getting sniped in every single draft. And I don't have any <laughs> shares of Christian Wood. Uh, there was one draft where somebody took him literally the pick in front of me. And I, I almost threw my laptop across the room. If I own Ennis Cantor on my team, I am right now going to send Ennis Cantor and maybe one more mid-level, you know, waiver wire fringe fantasy option player to the person who has Christian Wood on their roster. We just heard Joseph Nurkic. He's going to be reevaluated on Tuesday. Um, and so as soon as news breaks about him, if, if it's a good report, if they're saying, oh, he's going to you know, start on-court activity, if he's going to be inching closer to a return after the All-Star break, that's going to make his value go up a little bit higher and it's going to be harder to get, uh, or, or it's going to make Cantor's value go down a little bit lower and it's going to be hard to, to flip him. So that's just a thought while we're on the Rockets. I, I think we all agree we would totally uh, buy Christian Wood right now. I think his value is at an all-time low. And if I have Ennis Cantor, I'm, I'm trying to use that piece before Nurkic comes back to get Wood. Now, Burns, keep in mind the Blazers play six games in week 11. So maybe right out this week 11, which spans over the course of two weeks uh, over the All-Star break, ride that out, get as much value as you possibly can for Ennis Cantor, and then deal him after week 11. Yeah, I would I would love to do that. And I, I get it. My fear is just what if t- Tuesday – what if Nurkic has a report and they say, oh, he's, you know, he's progressing really nice. His fractured hand is healing. He's going to start shooting drills. And they think right after the all-star break, he's going to be back. You can enjoy those six games in week 11 with Cantor and you're going to get a double, double every night, see 30 plus minutes from your, your center, but his value is going to take a hit because people know, you know, once the all-star breaks over, he's going to, his value is going to be split in half. So I agree with you. I'd love to ride out the, the value for six, for six or for six games, uh, in week 11, but I just don't know if we're going to get news sometime between that that's going to cut his value. I don't, I don't yeah. trust Nurkic and his injury history, man, but yeah. to each his own, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, wanted, just wanted to add one thing. So speaking of that, I think, Adam, you brought up a great point in that this is we're heading into All-Star Week. The games conclude on Thursday, so this is going to be like almost a two-week period of of games, which is awesome. So if you're hitting the waiver wire, Pay attention to those teams that have the six games, uh, which are actually only three of them, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Portland Trailblazers, and the San Antonio Spurs. Slew of teams that have five games. 
But the most concerning, the Lakers only play three games over that two-week span. So there isn't a lot of waiver wire value out there for them, but just be cognizant of, you know, you're not going to be getting the uh, production value and, exp- and, and production pretty much of LeBron James, Dennis Schroeder, uh, et cetera. So um, plenty of other teams that have four and five games, so you should be all right. But I just wanted to clarify that. And I know, uh, Zach, you had one take regarding Enos Cantor. Uh, what are your thoughts there? My question was actually just going to be to the group is, you know, we're talking about this six game stretch. We're talking about how valuable Cantor could be. Um, and I think you guys definitely have great points there. My question is how much more valuable is the extra, you know, the extra game schedule for guys like LeBron James, let's say LeBron James versus Enos Cantor. You're down to your last utility spot. You want to look at six games versus three, which guy are you taking you right now? Uh, you have to plug one into your utility spot. Which one's it going to be, LeBron or Enos? For me, it's Cantor, especially with double the games. And the Lakers also play uh, one of the three games is a, is a back-to-back set, or two of their three games is a back-to-back set. LeBron could – he hasn't set a game this season. Maybe he doesn't. But I think the production you're getting from Cantor right now as a starter outweighs the production you're getting from LeBron in half the games. Also, guys – Let's be honest. The NBA did this on purpose. They're giving LeBron and AD and AD three games over the course of two weeks. 100%. This is this is absolutely intentional. The NBA loves it when LeBron plays. Could you imagine if the Lakers had six games in the next two weeks uh, over the All Star break? There's no there's no way LeBron will play every one of those games. Right. So this is absolutely intentional by the yeah. NBA. Yeah, and I think to, to, to add one more point to that, I think this is a, to, to answer, to further answer your question, Zach, uh, I think fantasy managers certainly need to start looking ahead. You know, we suggested, I think, in our first podcast, take a look at hashtag basketball's advanced schedule grid because it's extremely helpful as you're continuing to plan out. Um, a couple other considerations that you'll want to make is, you know, how many games are you getting in per week? Because this is going to become strength in numbers. Uh, you want to out, outpace your opponent by just racking up stats. And if you have more opportunities to do that with more games, you know, that's certainly a better way of doing it. One other thing I just wanted to make note of, um, savvy play by Adam Koffler. Um, and one thing I think other fantasy managers should consider is look at those injured players on your waiver wires, like a Karis Levert. If you're in a good position in terms of standings and you were making a run into the playoffs, those are the type of people that can put you over the top, um, you know, late into the season. So you still could have some of those people floating around it's certainly worth taking a flyer on them. Let me make an interesting note real quick on uh, I, IL eligible players. And this, I think, is an enhancement that Yahoo made, at least. Uh, not sure about ESPN. You can now pick up an IL player off the waiver wire, and they go directly into your IL spot. So you no longer have to drop somebody to get them into that IL spot, which is an incredible advantage. So if somebody's Ooh. sitting out there, if somebody's sitting out there like a Karis LeVert and you have an open open IL spot to use, add him. You don't have to drop anybody for him. So you might as well take the risk. All right. So let's switch gears a bit here. Uh, let's go into uh, some conversation about these Hornets, though. We, you know, we touched on P.J. Washington going off. Um, but what about Malik Monk? Uh, this guy has seen a resurgence, and I see him still floating on quite a few waivers. Is this going to be the demise of Devontae Graham as we see it? Um, because it's clear, how do you take Malik Monk off the court now? I don't think that you can. No. I mean, he's been on a tear. And, and Adam and I have, have touched on it a little bit on Twitter. 
He's averaging 20 points, four rebounds, three threes, 48% shooting from the field, 40% from three. He's been automatic off the bench. I don't know how Devontae Graham comes back and sees the same usage or role that he was before, especially with LaBella Ball's resurgence, with Terry Rozier's presence being there. I don't know. You know, he's 30% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I'd go ahead. I'd add him on, on my team. If he's available, if, if I need some scoring, the only thing I fear with him is he's kind of boomer bust um, to the point where he scored a career high 36 points against my heat, you know, earlier in February and then kind of dropped duds for the next week or two and then explodes. But this has been a five game stretch. So I think he's for real. I'd go ahead and roster him if he's available. Think about this draft capital matters. Devonte Graham, kind of lucked into a starting role last season. He was a second round pick in 2018. Malik Monk is a, is a first round, I think 11th overall pick. So you see what that brings to the table. Um, you know, Devontae Graham has been kind of on the, on the trade block, sort of, I think the Hornets have uh, been sort of on some rumors around there. I think that uh, that's definitely a possibility, especially with the, the resurgence of Malik Monk there and LaMelo Ball, obviously in the starting lineup and Terry Rozier cooking from downtown. So I don't, I don't know that there's a spot for Devontae Graham when he comes back because that team was already small to begin with. And then if you play LaMelo, Terry Rozier, and Devontae Graham all in the starting lineup at the same time, like you're a small team. And if you're fully healthy, you got to find a spot for P.J. Washington and Gordon Hayward. Right. So, I mean, there's I don't know if there's room for Devontae Graham. Zach, what do you think about that, man? I agree with you, man. I don't know that uh, what Graham brings to the table is, is going to be enough to outweigh what Monk and, and Ball and Rozier are doing right now. Uh, the only thing, yeah, I would have to caution uh, fantasy managers is exactly what Alex said. Monk has been boomer bust throughout his career. He's a streaky shooter. Um, he's kind of like in the, I don't know, the the Terrence Ross kind of mold where when he's hot, I mean, you can't stop him when he's when his shot is not falling you're not really getting much out of them. You know, the four rebounds a game, but doesn't do much on defense, doesn't do much with assists. So right now you're relying on the three ball, the percentages, the points. Uh, so I definitely think he's well worth a pickup, but you just have to keep in mind, you might get burned on some of these games. That's fair. Yeah, and I love the comparison to Terrence Ross because that's that's certainly the boomer bust uh, comparison that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, so I want to give you guys a few quick fire round here. Who would you rather have, Saban Lee or Dennis Smith Jr.? We seem to have this, you know, guard carousel of, you know, the Detroit Pistons here. And I know Zach loves Josh Jackson, which is a very unpopular opinion, but he's been playing well. So what's going on in Detroit? Who would you rather have? What do you, who are you picking up either of them? I got to say real quick, this situation pisses me off more than anything. Because Saban Lee, if you look at his efficiency when he gets minutes, it's unbelievable. He doesn't turn the ball over. He shoots at like 60% from the field. He gets assists. I mean, he doesn't do a lot on defense and he doesn't grab a lot of rebounds. But his presence is felt when he's on the floor. Dwayne Casey said a couple games ago, this is going to be a timeshare with DeLon Wright out. It's going to be Dennis Smith Jr., Saban Lee at point guard. After Monday or Tuesday's game, I forget what day it was when Saban Lee dropped 21 points. And I think Dennis Smith only played like 16 minutes. I was convinced. I'm like, this is not a timeshare. Saban Lee's the guy to own. Go pick him up right now. And then since then, it's completely been the opposite. Saban Lee is hovering around 20 minutes a game. Dennis Smith Jr. seeing around like 25, 27 minutes a game. I think it really just depends on what your league format is. is. If it's a category league, I think Dennis Smith Jr. is going to contribute a little bit more. Steals, blocks, assists, rebounds. 
And then if it's a points league, you can kind of run your luck with Saban Lee and, and see if he has, if that upside can, can take effect. Yeah, I would, um, I, maybe this is a cop-out answer, but uh, I'd say neither, man. I, I don't want point guards that are going to be in a timeshare. Uh, I think Lee probably has the most upside, but um, Detroit just traded for uh, Dennis Smith Jr. So I think there's some incentive there to to play him, uh, you know, instead of that being a worthless trade uh, for what that's worth. Uh, so I, I definitely don't want either of them. Like Dan mentioned, I like Josh Jackson. He's been kind of an under-the-radar guy that's been scoring a lot of points. He's one of their offensive leaders. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't want a point guard that's in a timeshare. I'd much rather have somebody with a more stable role that I can count on every night because Lee and, and DSJ, they've, they've essentially had, you know, uh, even minute splits, pretty even production. Uh, I'm not interested in either of them on my team if I can avoid it. Yeah. And another thing to think about while we're on the topic of Saban Lee is before you run to the waiver wire and go grab him, he is on a two-way contract. So I know this season there is a, a certain amount of limit or games he can play or be active for. So I, he's played around 15 to 20 games somewhere in that stretch this season. Um, he's only been fantasy relevant for like five of them, but he is on a two-way contract. So who knows, maybe they sign him to an extension. They give him uh, a better deal, or maybe he just has to be inactive for some games so they can use him later on in the season. But you know, that's just something to consider before adding. It's funny. If you, if you like, uh, if you like six assists and two steals per game with like 26, 27 minutes, then you're going to pick up Dennis Smith Jr. Because he's a starter there. We were all rushing to the waiver wire for TJ McConnell and he was coming off the bench for 20 minutes, averaging six assists and two steals because it was the hot thing to do. So I actually think Dennis Smith Jr. is kind of safe. You know, they, like Zach said, they just traded for him. So they don't want to be, you know, totally fleeced in that deal with the Knicks. So give me uh, give me Dennis Smith Jr. there. Yeah. And can we say something about Dennis Smith Jr. This week, 25 minutes a game, he shot 47% from the field. So it's not like he was inefficient or because I know that was his knock when he was in New York and even in Dallas, just inefficient, doesn't really do a lot, bad shooter. 47% is not bad for Dennis Smith Jr. So if he's going to be somewhere around 45, 47%, that's awesome. I mean, that was his knock is inefficiency. And if he can get you one and a, one and a half steals a game, one block, four and a half assists, that's what he averaged this week to go along with his 12 points. Sign me up for it. Speaking of efficiency, you know, it's really efficient. Derek Rose, baby. Oh, come on. Oh, oh, are we talking about Knicks again? Oh, D Rose. D, he's, he's averaging, he's shooting 53% from the field. Yeah, but he played uh, the Kings this week though. Yeah, dude, the, the Knicks are tied for the fourth seed in the East with the Celtics. Talk about guys who aren't going to get their job back. Devontae Graham's not getting his job back. And neither is Alfred Payton if Derek Roski's playing the way he's playing. That's facts. I mean, Thibodeau got him for a reason, right? Like, look at that. And you were questioning. It's like, oh, is Derek Rose going to really turn him around? Now look at him balling out. He looks out, nice. He's a, he's a DFS darling these days. <laughs> you love to see it. Um, so I wanted to turn the corner to a conversation about the Nuggets. What do we think about Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr.? Michael Porter Jr.'s got three straight double-doubles. Are we in the sell department here for Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr.? Do we believe in it? I mean, Paul Millsap's on the, on, on the, on the shelf still. Will Barton still getting in minutes here and there after he came off of a, a brief little knee injury. But what do we want to – how do we, how do we want to play the, the, the Denver Nuggets? Ahead, can, we, can we can we first talk about what Michael Porter Jr. did the other night? Oh, when it was a it was a, it was a three on one at the end of the game against the <laughs> Wizards, and Jamal Murray's pushing the basketball. And what does Michael Porter Porter Jr. do? 
he runs to the baseline three instead of going in for an easy alley-oop that would have tied the ball game. And you're playing at home, just get the bucket and go to overtime and beat the Wizards in overtime. Instead, this man goes to the baseline three. The, the, bas- the, the basketball IQ there is a zero. Awful. What I thought was even better than that was after the game when Jamal Murray tweeted a picture of that angle and just was like this angle. And it was kind of a, a shot to like his entire team. Like, why didn't you cut to the basket? That was crazy. That's like, that's like when LeBron goes like this to J.R. Smith. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly the same, the same. Yes. You have, you have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. on a three-on-one and Fashundo Campazzo shoots an off-balance <laughs> three. Give me a break. But on that note, you know, Denver, Denver's kind of nicked up. Uh, Millsap hasn't played. Jamichael Green hasn't played in quite a while. Um, I think there's space for three guys there. I really do. And Porter Jr. has really been coming on lately. Even, even after that mistake, he's getting minutes. He's seen minutes in the upper 30s. He doesn't play a ton of defense, but I think Mike Malone is willing to give him those minutes. So I actually – I really like all three of Jokic, Murray, and Porter Jr. I'm, I'm not looking to really sell those guys. Tell you what, man, I, uh, you guys might laugh me off of this podcast, so I'm, but I'm going to go ahead and die on my hill here. I'm doubling down on my Jamal Murray take from last week. He was a sell last week, and I was wrong. I was too soon on him. He's a bigger sell this week. His last eight games, 31-5-5. and five. He's shooting 53% from long range. He's nailing almost five threes a game, 91% from the free throw line. It's unsustainable production. Like you guys mentioned, we got a ton of injuries, you know, going around. Um, you know, Michael Porter Jr. has been coming on. Jokic is still there and is still the leader of that team. I'm selling Murray right now. You're going to get a ton of value for him, and those numbers are eventually going to come down. He's not going to be shooting like this all season. He's not going to be 31-5-5. and His numbers are going to regress back to the mean and back to what he has averaged throughout his career. Maybe a little bit better this season, but – this is unsustainable. I'm selling him high right now, doubling down. Would you trade Jamal Murray for Christian Wood right now? Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> That's a great question. Answer it. Oh, <laughs> I don't think I could. I, I, I don't think I could do it, man. You can't call. You can't call. You can't call a man a sell high and then not want Christian Wood for him. I love Christian. Give me Christian Wood all day long. Oh. That's so tough, though, man. Yeah, he's still a sell high, but I don't know if I could do that even swap for Wood. I don't know. So, so Hanshu, we, we talk about guys that we might be wanting to sell high, but what about guys on the flip side that are career pretty good shooters and having a down year, but they're averaging a career high in minutes? So despite their poor shooting, they're still seeing the minutes. A guy who fits that mold for me is Buddy Heald, and I tweeted about that this morning. He's playing a career high 35 minutes right now, but it's averaging just 15.9 points per game on 37.7% shooting from the field. And this dude's a career 43.5% field goal shooter. Uh, so he's getting the minutes. They, they have a very tight rotation there in Sacramento. We're not going to talk about Sacramento's big men because we do that every single week. Um, but I do like Buddy Heald as a guy, who, a consistent guy who's going to get you threes, like Dan said in the beginning of the show. Um, He's definitely a guy I'm looking to kind of buy low on, I think. Do you think that he went off, uh, or I guess he's probably going to go off more because Tyrese Halliburton isn't in the lineup, right? I I mean, he can certainly thrive with him there, but he's going to have more success with him out there. So I'd actually, I mean, I wonder, could you even pose that as, yeah, he's getting a ton of minutes, 
I wonder if he's a sell high because what like what does he really do besides score, shoot threes? He shoots good peripherals, right? Like sounds like, like Devin Booker, man. You're right. <laughs> you're right. We have a we have a we have a trend here of uh, these players that just get buckets. Can we nickname uh, Buddy Heald Bahama Breeze? Has anybody done that yet? <laughs> no. I mean, it's fitting. Wasn't he from the? Uh, he's from the Bahamas, right? He's definitely from the Bahamas, and that's like yeah. you know the restaurant Bahama Breeze. I think it's a perfect nickname for him. So, Buddy Heald, if you're listening to this podcast, what do you think about Bahama Breeze? Sounds a bit soft. No, <laughs> I don't want to be a breeze. I don't think I like it. To be honest, well, with who's you. the who's the man of, of nicknames? This is this is Zach's territory here. Let's talk about Time Lord for a second. Oh, I didn't boy. even realize that that was Robert Williams' nickname until you you wrote it in our in our show sheet. And I just want to know: Do you have any idea why he's called Time Lord? That actually was—I think that was Cawthor that wrote that in the show sheet. I was just—I was just the messenger, copy and pasting. Man, I love a good nickname, but I. Uh... <laughs> All right, but you're usually the nickname guy. I mean, what would we call uh, Mitchell Robinson? Blockinson? I don't think anyone heard of that yeah. one before. <laughs> yeah, so I got a little—I got a little knowledge on Time Lord. I think. Give, give us what, something I on think, Time Lord. I think what I don't have all the details, but I think what happened there's a couple events pre-draft where he was like late to a meeting and you know slept in a little bit and so this this was like a social media kind of thing and I don't know how you know time lord came about exactly but it had something to do with the timing or the timeliness of him being late to meetings and waking up late and stuff like that well that makes sense now um because Brad Stevens didn't seem to ever want to play him and now all of a sudden like he came out um earlier this week saying that he wants to see him get more minutes and he's likely going to and I think he's been playing very well I picked him up in a couple of leagues he's been certainly valuable in the blocks department he racks those up in, in limited minutes um, I think this is someone that if the Boston Celtics I'd be surprised if they don't make a move for a big man at some point in this at the trade deadline but if they don't I think Robert Williams certainly has a good outlook going forward uh, Bernsey what do you think there oh yeah um, he's someone who's been really good he was kind of a sleeper on DFS for me earlier in the season, had a couple big games there. I think he should play. I think he should get more minutes. The emergence of Daniel Tice as a fantasy contributor and, and a piece of that rotation. And then also Tristan Thompson, it kind of scares me away. I know Thompson had like 13 rebounds last night and, and Tice went for like 20 points. They're going to be involved. And I just think it's going to be similar to like, we just talk about Dennis Smith Jr. and Saban Lee and how there's going to be a timeshare. I don't think one of those guys is going to dominate the usage as as big man for the Celtics. So, I mean, he's he's a good waiver wire ad if he has a week where he's got four games or something and you feel like picking him up and throwing him in your lineups. That's awesome. But as far as like a season long play, is not someone that I want to sign up for necessarily. But but I agree with all your points and he has been playing really good. Yeah, and it almost seems like Boston kind of does what Golden State does. They don't really commit to one big man. They just kind of they throw a bunch of bodies at you, and you can never really be sure exactly who's getting the minutes. I think Williams has a ton of upside, but I agree with you, man. It's it's too tough to predict what the roles are going to be between him, Tice, Tristan Thompson, and if they bring in somebody, you know, somebody else by the deadline. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of the Warriors and their rotation, keep an eye on Draymond Green. He went down with the brain left ankle I believe a couple nights ago uh, I think the early evaluation was that he would be just fine but if if he has to miss some time you're looking at guys like James Wiseman Eric Pascal taking over some, st- some minutes at the the front court not Juan Toscano Anderson Adam no not no not anymore 
Uh, let's switch gears to the Timberwolves, where they're having their own issues with D'Angelo Russell trying to fill the void. And then, you know, Malik Beasley is going to be gone for 12 games. Well, now 11 games. Um, who's going to, who do we see stepping up for the Timberwolves? Is there anybody on the wire that you'll want to target in the short term uh, until uh, Malik Beasley comes back? So this is an interesting discussion here because as we were talking about earlier, there's like, a plenty of guys who they just rotate in and out. There's a bunch of guards and small forwards and, and even point guards for that matter in Minnesota. But if you look at the data, when D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley is off the court, you see one guy sticks out and it's Jalen Noel. He's a second year player. He was on the Timberwolves last season for a few games and, and he's back. He's seeing a 24% usage rate when Russell and Beasley are off the floor. And so that's something that you want to chase. Players are going to see a lot of usage, have the ball in their hands, that kind of stuff. The annoying thing about Minnesota for me personally is they have guys like Josh Okogie, Jarrett Culver, J, uh, KJ McDaniels, and then Jalen Noel that's backing up at the two guard or the three guard, whichever way you want to slice it. But all those guys are really good at defense. They're defensive first kind of guys. Their offensive games are really raw, I would say. Uh, Jarrett Culver just sucks, to be honest with you. So that's just whatever. But Jalen Noel is the only guy out of that group that I think his skill set somewhat mirrors what Malik Beasley brought to the table as far as somebody who can get you a bucket. He sucked on Sunday night. I think he was like one of seven from the field um, for like six points or something. But his skill set is what the Timberwolves lacking without Beasley on the floor. So I think he's going to get a shot to play a good amount of minutes and put up points, put up shots. He kind of his, his game, his style kind of differentiates from the other guys. Adam, what's up? Yeah, I mean Minnesota's terrible, but they, they do they do have a they have a they have a log in there uh, with a bunch of guards. Uh, what I don't like about Minnesota is guys like Jake Lehman just come in out of nowhere and play thirty minutes. He was a he was a, a DMP coach's decision the night before, played three minutes the night before that, and then all of a sudden plays thirty minutes off the bench. So I, I don't love rotations like that where I can't get a feel for who's going to get the minutes and who's not. For me, in head to head. I want one guy, and that's Carl Anthony Towns. In points leagues, I'm okay taking Anthony Edwards. In a, in a head-to-head league where he's going to you know, affect your field goal percentage and your turnovers, I'm not really into Anthony Edwards. But he's shooting a lot. I think he's got 22 shots per game in his last three games. So points leagues, absolutely give me Anthony Edwards. If you look to uh, Anthony Edwards, of course, Anthony Edwards in points leagues and Carl Anthony Towns, those are the two guys who immediately their stocks are on the rise with – all the, the turnover and Leak Beasley and D'Angelo Russell out of the lineup. Jalen Noel, if you look, his last two games, 26 minutes, 21 minutes, he shot one of eight. Like I said, I said it was one of six. It was one of eight Sunday night in their loss to Phoenix. But out of that group, though, that's the guy that I want. If I do have to go to the waivers and I need, I need someone to add and it's, I'm in a deep league, a 14-team league, or even more, Jalen Noel is the guy that I think will produce the most fantasy value outside of guys like Josh Okoji, Jarrett Culver, KJ McDaniels, et cetera. Yeah, I just want to throw in there. I picked up Jalen Noel last night, and he was a complete dud. Um, swiftly dropped him to the waivers. As as much as I love your 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 uh, outlook there and your positivity burns, uh, I'm not. I'm leaving him there. I will <laughs> say on my Saturday Fanduel article, he was a value play for me. I think he was priced thirty seven hundred or thirty five hundred somewhere on the minimum. He had fifteen points, five rebounds, four assists, shot five and nine like nine times value on DraftKings. So I will so take Finch, that W. So, so and you're I saying will that see. Finch likes Noel. I think, well, I think his Noel's style of play, his yeah. skill set, 
differentiates himself from all the other guys that are at the two or the three guard positions. And I think if they need someone to replace Malik Beasley and what he brought to the table, Noel's the guy. They're not going to ask Josh Okoji to go out there and take 10 shots a game. I mean, he, he might shoot an open three if he's, if he's open or a fast break layup, but he's not like an offensive guy that you run your system through. Neither is Jarrett Culver for that matter. And KJ McDaniels is like a high, they're just, they're not offensive juggernauts they're not guys yeah. that'll get you a bucket when you need I it mean, the, the two wolves are seven and 28 man they're going nowhere fast so like it's at this point you're just you're just buying some garbage minute people <laughs> that might give you some production just because they're getting blown out it's <laughs> raining on my parade man this podcast <laughs> this podcast is incredible man we give a platform to guys like jalen noel saving <laughs> lee, Saban lee hey. Juan T. i mean <laughs> These are guys that have. I don't. I don't know that anybody's put any you know wavelengths into these guys other than on this podcast. Hey, Dude, so we're in the they, trenches right now. Don't even get me started. Time. Don't even get me started on Ty Jerome because I got a whole spiel for oh. that guy next. So oh he's, boy. He was a, oh dude, he was a great college player at Virginia. But this actually what? brings up another point. Somebody asked me on Twitter. They said, "Should I pick up uh, Derek White?" And Derek White's been out, kind of COVID stuff, and you know he was injured before that. And and I said, "Yeah, go pick up Derek White." And he showed me his lineup and like his worst player was like Chris Boucher. And I'm like, eh. like, I'm not, I'm not really sure what to do there. It's probably a 10 team league, shallow, shallow bench. So you got to kind of tailor your, your takes. We're talking about Jalen Noel. Like this guy would never pick up Jalen Noel. Right. 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 This guy doesn't even know. This guy thinks Saban Lee, you know, works at the uh, target. Like this, you know, <laughs> we're definitely so talking t- like 12, the like competitive 12 team leagues, 14 team leagues, like 10 team. There's no chance that you're going to be picking no. up these, these scraps. No, no. Um, Some, no. sometimes the worst player in your team is going to be Kevin Herter. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. very true. Who's been playing? That is true. We should specify 12 team, 14 team leagues, that stuff. When the waivers are thin, yeah, then you could look to those guys. But I will Speaking say. Speaking of which, did you guys see, did you guys see Kevin Herter put Mike Mescala on a poster? Yeah, that was <laughs> nice. That. It looks so awesome. And then I tweeted, and then I tweeted, don't hurt him. Yeah. <laughs> It was, you you were also a you were also a terp, so this is there's some standing here. That was the most awkward poster I've ever seen in my life. If you put Anthony Edwards poster right next to YouTube Watanabe and then versus Kevin Herter's, it was just night and day of a difference. Or he he dunked with his left hand though, didn't he? Who I think Herter or did he? No, he no he 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 came back with the right. It was it was like a it was it was a P uh, R J Hampton esque. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, Burns, you you made you alluded to your DFS article. I'm almost wondering if it's uh, hopefully the audience wants it enough that maybe we can start putting out little quick little DFS notes because I think you know between the four of us, we all contribute to Fantasy Pros's um, weekly DFS articles. So we, I know we have a tons of information and stuff. So it'd be great to share that on a more prevalent basis. Just being that you know, unfortunately, we can only record this 45 minute uh segment uh once a week but uh i know you guys are constantly wanting to know who we're picking up and and who's the play so maybe that's something that we can start building on going forward uh so yeah so just going into our last segment of the day let's get into a little bernsey mailbag alex what is what is twitter saying to you i i know you and there seems to be quite a few guys that hit up you and you and coffler in tandem so if, if one person's not answering the other one seems to piggyback on it so um yeah what, what are we hearing from the twitter the twitter verse oh yeah the twitter verse has been strong this week a lot of questions as we inch closer towards the fantasy playoffs so i got a couple trade questions here and then i got a couple more 
things people mentioned that maybe we can we can talk about if we have the time. But uh, first question here is from Danny Beck on Twitter. I thought this was kind of interesting, just given the narratives on on some of these players. But he said, "Would you trade Zach Levine and Kemba Walker for Giannis Antetokounmpo right now?" I mean, what did Giannis put up last week? 37, 11, and five or something like that. Like that's a lot of production, but if we're talking points, Levine and Kemba, I actually don't love Kemba in that. I don't know. Maybe I, I probably would do the deal. I don't know. I think I would, but you have to, you have to think about it. So you're, if you give up two players for one, um, there's going to be, you have to think is the replacement level player for Kemba Walker that you're going to like pick up off the waiver wire going to match the production that uh, Giannis gives you like the difference between Giannis and, and a, a Levine plus a Kemba Walker. So for me, the ceiling of Giannis and what he can do for you in a, in a head to head league is higher than, you know, that what that replacement level player is going to be able to provide you. Uh, when you when you match him with uh, with Giannis, so 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 give me Giannis and the replacement player over Levine and Kemba. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Next question we got. This is from uh, Fernando Flores on Twitter. Uh, he's been an awesome listener, so shout out to him. He asked uh, this to actually Adam and I on Twitter the other day, and I and we both gave our answer, but I think it'd be interesting to discuss on the pod. So he said, "Who do you prefer, Rashawn Holmes or Al Horford?" I know Zach is big into Al Horford, not high on him, but just has, you know, studied his game and stats a lot. So Zach, what do you think? Are you, would you rather have Rashawn Holmes or Al Horford rest of the season? Wait, can we cook Zach first on how he's, he's <laughs> big on, he's big on Al Horford. Who's big on Al Horford. I don't mean like high on him. I just meant like you, you've been vocal about his fantasy value throughout the season. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait a minute on the cook in there, dude, because <laughs> I, said, I said last week, and this, this comes, let me get to my point here. I said last week, Horford to sell high because of what he was doing without SGA. And so now with SGA back, Horford has gone from, you know, early round value to over his last four games, or excuse me, over the, the Thunder's last six games in which Horford sat out two because he doesn't need to be out there every night with SGA back. He's gone 12, six and three. So that's a far cry from what he was doing when SGA was out. And SGA is now 27, 6, and 5 over the last week. And he had, I think he had a 42-point game in there sometime. Um, but SGA's been cooking. Horford is now, uh, he's a consistently, you know, a top 100-ish player. Um, I think pretty, you know, solid shooting percentages and that kind of thing. Uh, but Holmes gives you much higher ceiling. Holmes has that early round value ceiling. We saw that early last year before he got hurt. He was... He was a first-round guy for stretches of the season, so he has that big upside. And Horford definitely last week for me was a sell high. So, Adam, I'll be cooking you, man, because I'll be riding. I'll be riding on that hot take from last week that ended up uh, coming true this week. Yeah, but in in a, in a head-to-head league, Horford doesn't play back-to-backs. Isaiah Roby gets a start there, so Holmes doesn't sit. So, so for me, for that reason, it's Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. yeah, I just like Holmes just because I don't trust Hassan Whiteside being on the Kings very much longer or him just inevitably beating him out. Rashawn Holmes looks really good. He had a great game last night. I, I'm I'm taking Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't have any more questions, but I, I just want to end with this. Um, I, I tweeted a couple days ago 
uh, a nice tweet about Ben Simmons and about how Ben Simmons is super underrated. And I just want to say that somebody on Twitter wrote me back and said, they think Ben Simmons is a Ben Wallace who can pass the basketball. So I'm not going to mention the name or the Twitter handle. I just want to say the disrespect for Ben Simmons must stop. I am getting, I am a heat fan. I don't like the Sixers. I don't think the Sixers like the heat. I'm sick of the disrespect. Ben Simmons is not a Ben Wallace who can pass the ball. That is like so disrespectful. Thank you, Alex. As a heat fan, I, I, I appreciate you now. You know, I, 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 I don't like the slander of Ben Simmons. Now I will say he is hot garbage on offense. He's pretty much Giannis Antetokounmpo without the ability to actually attack the rim. Um, but did you guys see? Did you guys see great. him uh, at, at the end at the end of the game against Cleveland with the uh, down six we with like five seconds left? Yeah, it comes up, splashes the three. I think he was like plus twelve hundred to hit a three that game. So shout out to you if you put money on Ben Simmons hitting a three that didn't matter at the end of the game. By the way, it was a wet three. Like that, his his form looked good. I mean, I'd rather look at Lamelo Ball shoot. So I mean, because Lamelo Ball at least makes it, like, and he takes it. But his J is just so ugly. I, I don't know what's gonna take to get Ben Simmons some confidence to just let it fly. But he's one of the best defensive defensive players in the league. He strapped up Luka Doncic in that game against the Mavericks. Yeah, he, he did. did. And that's he a did. differentiator of why he's not just Ben Wallace. I mean, Ben Wallace was a great defender as well, but Ben Wallace wasn't guarding every position. Here's a hot um, take: the Sixers get Kyle Lowry and make it to the NBA championship. I love it. I love it. Uh, so let's get in some last minute uh, waiver wire ads for the week. Uh, guys, it's a hot, uh, quick, quick, uh, quick fire round here. Who do you, who are you picking up? Who are your targets? I'll say real quick. We, we hit on it earlier. Uh, the Portland trailblazers play six games in week 11, Derek Jones, Jr. He's been pretty good. He scored in, in double figures. I think five of his last six games, he's only 30% rostered in Yahoo leagues. And I'm going to uh, go to a guy who is, uh, he's less than 10% rostered. I don't want to say he's a must have, but I just want to say, keep your eye on him is Justice Winslow. He's back. He missed over a year of action. We know he can produce when he has the minutes. I don't know what his role will be in the Memphis offense, but he did score 20 points in their blowout win over the Rockets on Sunday. So just somebody to keep an eye on. He can contribute in multiple stat categories. Uh, he's less than 10% rostered. I like uh, I like Isaac Okoro. Do you guys know he leads all rookies in minutes per game? He's got a really solidified role there in Cleveland. Uh, he can put uh, he can put up a bunch of stats. He's not going to get you, you know. He's not he's not a ceiling guy, but he's got a pretty high floor uh, for a guy that's under ten percent owned. So so I'm looking at, I'm looking at a guy like Isaac Okoro for me. Yeah, just to reiterate, Kevin Porter is still my top pickup uh, just because I think he's got league winning upside. But other guys uh, that we haven't touched on already, I think Josh Richardson's starting to find his form again. Uh, Jalen Brunson's been really productive. And I think somebody that uh, is is somebody to stash if you have the space and who really uh, excels when he's given the opportunity is Bruce Brown from the Nets, who's really uh, – he's, he's had some really strong play with uh, Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving uh, kind of swapping out games. Uh, so he's somebody to keep in mind as well. Yeah, it's a great call. Uh, my two are Malik Monk, 38% owned, and Robert Williams, uh, shade under – He's 42% owned. So still, still a lot of opportunity there. I know we touched on them earlier, but not really much out there in the competitive league. Angela Noel, of course. Leave Noel on the waivers, whatever you do. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week. Uh, it's going to be all-star weekend. So we'll probably give you a new segment where we'll do the mid-year superlatives and give you our takes of who's been the best 
fantasy players to date and, and how you can prepare for the rest of the season. So this is the Stretch 4 Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace.